president of this country is it joe manchin or joe biden madam vice president come on charlamagne i really I, it's joe biden i can't no, tell no, no, sometimes. no 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 it's joe biden oh you hear a lot from my home state as well as yours and other states saying well i have my freedom i have a right to not get vaccinated Virginia, i can't vote for it and i cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation i just can't freedom is back in style welcome the revolution. Yeah, we're coming to your city. Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song. Sean Hannity. The new, the new Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news. And more bold, inspired solutions for America. This is a special edition of The Sean Hannity Show. America trapped behind enemy lines. Day number 135. All right, America, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I am Jeffrey Lord of the Word of the Lord podcast and JeffreyLord.com, sitting in for our friend Sean. Please call us in. Uh, call in to us at 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-7326. And right now, we have on our line uh, a friend of ours, a friend of mine, the great Sean Spicer, uh, press secretary to uh, White House press secretary for President Trump and uh, involved in all manner of things where we cross paths uh, in years gone by. And he has a fabulous book out, um, Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America. Hello there, my friend. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good to see you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas is right. We can still say that now, I think. <laughs> well, you and I definitely can, especially on the Sean Hannity <laughs> Show. So, Sean, tell us a, a bit about your book. I've been reading it. Uh, I, I think it's dead-on accurate. And, you know, one of these, uh, I don't want to, you know, uh, drive you crazy with too much praise here, but I think this book needs and deserves and will be around for quite a while because I think it is dead-on accurate. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I wrote Radical Nation because I thought there was a lot of what people assumed about Joe Biden. He paraded around as this moderate institutionalist that people on both sides of the aisle call the pragmatist that wanted to get things done. And in reality, Joe Biden told us very clearly that he wanted to be the most progressive president ever. He was going to, uh, you know, wholly buy into the woke agenda. Um, and, and what we have to understand is that Biden's number one concern is legacy. He wants to be able to say he was the first person to choose someone of color to be their vice president, the first person to choose an LBGTQ member to lead a department, the first person to have a four-star person lead the National Public Health Service. All of these things he wants to be able to say, I had the first, and then he becomes the progressive North Star for generations to come. And I talk about in the book that one of the early things he did was host a roundtable in the Roosevelt Room of liberal historians and basically tried to understand how can I outdo FDR as this guy that generations of progressives will look to forever and say, how do I match Joe Biden and all of the progressive appointments that he made? Yeah, and of course, I, I, I have to say, I think that, you know, his plagiarism problem, 
um, which has erupted at various occasions. On one case, uh, when I was in the Reagan White House, I caught him at it and called the, <laughs> called the New York Times, and they ran the story a couple days later, and shortly thereafter, he was plagiarizing Robert Kennedy, one of my teenage heroes there, and I memorized the speeches and caught him doing it on C-SPAN. Um, I, I think that he plagiarizes policy or, or plagiarizes what he thinks should be policy, that there's no original thought here com- combined with a lot of uh, plain sloppiness. Well, you know, the difference, Jeffrey, is back in the day when he ran for president twice before, they would call him out for those things. And I yes. think now you have a media, and I have two chapters in the book, where they sort of allow him to say things. You know, he talked about driving a truck last year, and he's gone to all of these. I mean, he has rewritten his entire youth in terms of what he has done, <laughs> where he studied, and no one calls him out. I mean, literally, he tells tales. It was funny, during the Trump administration, you, you, you saw it first, and I witnessed it on a daily basis for seven months. But these guys would call out every little footfall of Trump and say he's a liar. He says, with Biden, he gets to, to say whatever he wants about his past, about his position on policy, about his personal experience. And, um, you know, he uh, and, and so anyway, um, you know, it's, it's amazing the complicity of the press. Well, I, you know, you have uh, a couple, you know, every chapter is great, I should say, and I'm not exaggerating, but uh, two that I like in particular are on the American media disgrace. And it, it just it just seems to me, uh, as I said in my opening monologue, you know, once upon a time, journalism was about just the facts man, as Sergeant Joe yep. Friday from Dragnet said, and now it's about just the liberal narrative man, ma'am. And if you yeah. don't comply with that, they will, I mean, witness that New York Post story on Hunter Biden. They will just not report it, or they'll block it if they're big tech. On and on and on we, they go with this kind of thing. I mean, I, I think we have a real problem on our hands here in America, uh, Sean, and I'm frankly not sure how to deal with it. Well, uh, so I will agree with you, because if you think about the Hunter Biden story in particular, they get completely censored from media. They, no one would write about it. And then basically, well, we find out it's true, or the Russia hope story that we found out was not true. And yet they'll push a narrative that they want. They'll overlook a narrative that they don't want. Right. The level of complicity, and, and, and I, I mean, it is, it, is, it is also with respect to policy. So they never report on the double standards, the hypocrisy, the failed policies. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right, Jeffrey. I mean, this is about if you if you are in on the uh, the joke, right? So you see, Meet the Press have these segments on on Republicans on the right undermining voting rights and undermining democracy. Nothing could be further from the truth. But if you don't side with the far left on the wokeness, on using pronouns and uh, <laughs> agreeing that voting rights, then then you are inherently a bad, evil person. So these guys in the journalism world. Take that as the center, right? So that's not considered the left anymore. To them, embracing the left woke progressive agenda is to them the center. It is then that you go further to the left. But if you're to the right of any of that, then you are inherently a racist, a sexist, a monogamist. You know, the list goes on and on of the gist that you are. Because you, you, if you aren't embracing that agenda and coming up with new ways to make LGBTQ, QRF, TUV, you know, WXYZ, make it longer, figure out some, uh, some other class that can add a letter to that alphabet soup, then you are a bad person. Well, because that... everybody gets to be part of the alphabet now. 
Well, that's right. That's right. And I, you know, I've written a lot about this kind of thing with them. And, and I'm at one point in the way back, I went back and took a look at the formation of the Democratic Party. Uh, they wrote their first platform in 1840 before, you know, anybody else was writing platforms. They were formed by slave owners. They were passed on to segregationists. Uh, they supported slavery, segregation. And as I say, now they're into the son of segregation known as identity politics. I think that this whole core of that kind of thinking has transferred itself or, or sidled over into the, the media. And if yeah. you, if you, uh, don't don't agree with anything then they're going to use race to beat you over the head with and i'm my point was in in fact there's nothing new with this this has been going on since the formation of the democratic party and it, here we are all these couple hundred plus years later and they still do it and it's worse and they're dividing but, but jeffrey Je jeffrey here's the here's the silver lining this is why i actually have some degree of hope if you look at Sean Hannity's show on Fox, Sean Hannity's show on radio, you look at what I've been able to do on Newsmax, and, and Sean has been right. unbelievably kind and supportive. You look at the Daily Caller. You look at, you know, Breitbart. You name it, right? You look at the top podcasts. Go to Apple. Look at the top ones. They're all right-leaning. The American people are in on the joke. You look at what happened in Virginia, New Jersey. We're being spoon-fed a bunch of left-wing, woke BS, and yet... Parents around the country have said, I don't buy it. I'm going out. I'm going to show up at school board meetings. I don't like what I hear. If the media was doing an effective job, then we wouldn't have the success that we do on the right. And I think that that's the one thing that makes me at least realize that there is hope out there, is that whether it's Sean Hannity on TV or radio or Jeffrey Lord's podcast or Sean Spicer's show on Newsmax every night, um, that there are people that are saying, I want to go somewhere else besides the New York Times and ABC and CBS and, you know, Politico and Washington Post, because I don't trust them anymore. They're not covering things. They're slanted in their coverage. They're woke in their policy pronunciation. And so I think that the rise of alternative outlets and platforms gives me hope. Yeah, I do think you're right. I mean, and I think this is this is frankly one of the reasons why so many on the left are so angry uh, at, at Fox, at Newsmax, uh, and on and on goes the list. And the reason is they've lost their monopoly. Um, yes, that's it. That's, you put your finger on it. That's it. That once they stopped being able to control what we saw, read, and heard, and think, they got scared. And so then they got into a war with saying, okay, well, then we need to discredit them. But the American people don't care. I mean, that's the beauty of it, is that you see the CNN ratings go down, 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 and the Newsmax ratings go up, up, up. Right. And the reason is, is because people are saying, I'm not buying it anymore. I have somewhere else that I can go. Well, you have a great show. Uh, I confess, I either watch or DVR every single night. And, uh, Thank you. It is, it is, it is terrific, but it's, imp it's not just terrific, it's important, as are these other shows. And when we saw a handful of months ago that there were some me Democratic members of Congress that wanted to boot Newsmax and Fox and, and OAN off of cable carriers and try and bully cable companies into not carrying them, that, 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 tells you everything you need to know about their That's mental right. state. They're scared of the competition. Right. They are scared of ideas. I welcome them. I welcome NPR. I don't welcome the financing piece of it. I wish the government wasn't paying for it. But I actually welcome the Rachel Maddows of the world because I want to prove how wrong she is. I want people to see it. The problem is, is that the, the left gets scared because they know they can't beat us on ideas. Right. 
And, you know, you write in your book that the Biden-Harris policies are wrong-headed, destructive, and dangerous. You know, honest to goodness, Sean, I think now that people, when they show up at the gas station, when they show up in the grocery store and find all of this just soaring out of control, they're beginning to get the drift here. Um, all these people in all these liberal cities where the cities are falling apart, uh, they, you know, they're getting their policies and they're proving to be disastrous, just as you said. Yes, they get it. The American people are smarter than the mainstream media and the left gives them credit for. Well, you know, I, I remember... <laughs> If you've ever read uh, the Making of the President series, the very first one with about JFK and Richard Nixon, at the end of the book, Theodore White, whom much later in life I got to meet and, and know a little bit, wrote in there about the press corps that ac accompanied John F. Kennedy. And he said how he described how they would sing through the night when they were on a bus or a plane, and they all saw themselves as soldiers headed on to the new frontier with their leader. Uh, boy, that was 1960, and we're in a situation now where that kind of mentality is infinitely, infinitely worse by magnitudes. Correct. I, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I've actually written about journalism schools and how their mission statement talks about, quote, making the world a better place. Right. They believe that they have a goal to insert themselves in pushing and advancing an agenda that is not what they're supposed to be doing. But that's the new bar. That's what they believe they are sent to do. There's not a question of fairness or even handedness anymore. It is truly a question of an agenda that gets pushed. Well, that's right. And dealing with Biden, I remember, again, I guess I'm dating myself, but I remember President Reagan's first press conference after he was sworn in. And Sam Donald, he calls on Sam Donaldson, who, of course, was no Reagan fan, right? And Sam Donaldson presses him about our relationship with the Soviet Union. And Reagan, completely calm, you know, cocks his head. Well, I believe that when you're dealing with people who lie, who steal, who cheat, that you have to know who you're dealing with when you get in the room. <laughs> well, you could hear the audible intake of breath in the, in the, you know, I think it was the State Department Auditorium where they held the first one. But, you know, is Joe Biden ever going to get questions like that from some reporter other than... Uh, Oh, Peter Ducey? Yeah. No, no. And by the way, you know the funny thing about that that I, I think is interesting? And everyone, because everyone always, just to be clear, Jen Zaki calls on four or five reporters and then throws in the obligatory Peter Ducey question. But she never actually goes beyond that. There are 49 reporters, probably more, you know, on certain days standing there. She calls on a handful. So so when people, people say Peter Ducey's the only one holding her accountable, and I agree, I think Peter does a phenomenal job frankly, of asking the most obvious question of the day. But the reality is that Jen limits the audience, so she only allows herself to be questioned by a handful of people, most of which are the mainstream guys, so the Washington Post, the ABCs, the CNNs, and whatever, because she knows they're not going to complain about access as long as they're getting their due. Well, that's that's right. I mean, uh, as, as you and I both know, a lot of what goes on is not seen on camera. Sean, I'm afraid we got to uh, stop it there, but thank you, my friend, and uh, good luck with your book, which is Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America. If I don't see you again, have a very happy and safe New Year, Jeffrey. All right, my friend, you too. And happy birthday to Sean Hannity a little early. <laughs> exactly. 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-7326. Call us.
jobs. jobs. Joe Biden can't spell it and he can't keep them for the American people. Check out the Sean Hannity Jobs Forum today. Now, Hannity's on Coast to Coast. We are at the Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-7326. We hope you'll call in and join us and have a conversation. I am Jeffrey Lord of the Word of the Lord podcast and thejeffreylord.com. We are going to be moving on in our next segment. We'll be taking calls, and we're going to be discussing uh, what's going on all around us here and what's upcoming in 2022. There is a lot, as we saw in that 2021 Virginia gubernatorial election. So we have a lot going on. We're, uh, uh, I think, have a right to be very hopeful, and we will get on it. So I'll be back very shortly. 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-7326. Check in as soon as you get to your car after work for breaking information you need to know about. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All right. This is Jeffrey Lord of the Word of the Lord podcast and thejeffreylord.com sitting in for our friend Sean Hannity. I hope you'll call in at 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-7326. And we are going to start with John in Utah. What's up, John? Thanks for having me, having me on today. I appreciate it. You bet. My 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 concern is um, voter integrity. Still, um, you know, the congressman mentioned it earlier, kind of on an offhand remark, where he said, "You know, and Trump probably won in 2020," um, and then kind of, you know, kept talking from there. Spicer kind of mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of us out here that you know we've been told all our lives as as good American citizens. I mean, I'm a former Air Force intelligence officer. Um, you know, the way we make our voices heard is through voting. And if we don't believe that that is being done the right way, then we feel kind of helpless. Um, and I'm just wondering, you're right, you're right. The media needs to be fixed, but, but what are we supposed to do to feel comfortable and confident that our vote is actually going to count? Well, I think, first of all, um, your state legislatures need to get involved with this. And and I, I live in Pennsylvania, and my Republican state legislature is indeed getting involved with this. And you've seen efforts in Georgia and other states. Uh, and that's where this has to come from. It has to come from the state legislature, you know, uh, out and up. Um, but I, I just want to say that you're on to something here because – um, all these people who like to call uh, what President Trump, former President Trump, has said the big lie, just using my state of Pennsylvania alone, um, I can tell you, having come up through politically through the Pennsylvania political system, that our state has had repeated problems over the years. Forget 2020. 
in in 2020 um, itself, not for the election, but in May of 2020, a, a Democratic judge of elections in Philadelphia was indicted and convicted. Why? Because he was standing next to voting machines in his precinct, and when people weren't looking, he was going ka-ching, 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 ringing up uh, the ballot by, by you know, hand, the, the automated ballot, ringing it up by hand. And he was indicted and convicted for this. He was caught. Then they want, Then they found out that he had been paid to do this. And who paid him but a former Democratic congressman from Philadelphia who'd gone to the federal pen for the long-ago Abscan scandal and was now out and billing himself as a political consultant. And he paid this guy money to do this. Well, then you go back in time to 2012, and the Philadelphia Inquirer runs a front-page story after the Romney-Obama election that in 59 voting precincts in Philadelphia, Mitt Romney got exactly zero votes. Now, yeah, is it a Democratic town? Yes. Zero votes is is perfectly statistically impossible. You go back further than that. I attended a press conference uh, in 2008, in October of 2008, in which a retired Pennsylvania Supreme Court justice, the local district attorney of Harrisburg, that's Dauphin County, and uh, uh, the state Republican chairman produced example after example of ballot fraud uh, or, or ballot registrations that were, you know, complete with uh, wrong addresses, phony Social Security numbers, thousands of these things. And then my favorite uh, with all of this, John, is back in 1994, there was there was a special election for a state Senate seat in Philadelphia, and the Democrat, quote-unquote, won. Well, the Republican, who was no dummy, his name was Bruce Marks. I knew him a bit. He was a former, he was a lawyer, a good lawyer, and a former staffer for Senator Arlen Specter, took it to court, produced all this evidence, and the federal judge was so appalled at the abuse of absentee ballots that he issued an opinion saying that there had been a massive scheme to steal the election, and he reversed the results and yanked the guy who had been seated as the winner in the Senate, yanked him out and installed the Republican. So let's just say uh, my, my home state has a less than savory reputation for this. And so to, to answer your question directly, yeah, this is a problem. And unless we as Americans know that when we go into the voting booth and cast a ballot, that it's going to be reported and recorded exactly as we cast it. If that we if we lose that belief, we've got a real problem on our hands. So yeah, thank exactly yeah thank you thank you for that answer. I, I know like I was living in Florida before I live in Utah now, and just the difference in the way votes were counted in 2020 in Florida Florida versus the way they were counted. Just one election before when um, I've forgotten his name now, but the the gubernatorial candidate you know almost the DeSantis, I think a lot of it is local, and, and it, it seems like there's way too much control locally for these election boards where they can, you know, if, if certain people are in certain positions, the numbers change, and that just frustrates me. Yeah, there, there has to, this system has to be cleaned up. There's absolutely no question about it. Um, let me move on to, um, let me see, Roger in Florida. How are you? Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, so my question to you, sir, is what do you think the recent um, thing for the Supreme Court to hear the Biden vaccine mandates, how do you think that's going to go well for the country and, you know, 
Biden. Obviously, I hope it uh, gets overturned. Well, you know, um, one of the things that I think, uh, and I don't know the answer to how this is going to work, um, because it, it is, as I've long since learned, it's a fool's uh, venture to try and guess what uh, nine people in a closed room are going to do in a judicial decision. But there is one thing uh, that I think we have to be aware of that has sort of backfired here. Uh, suddenly you've got people saying they don't want to take the vaccine and they have the right to run their own body, etc. And you've got four justices on the Supreme Court, at least, uh, who are staunch supporters of Roe versus Wade. And what is the phrase that we have heard now since Roe versus Wade was handed down? And I think that was 1973. It is my body, my choice. And I think that there may be uh, some thought on the Supreme Court that if they mandate what someone has to do with a vaccine, that they are going to be undercut, undercutting Roe v. Wade, which is already under attack with various uh, anti-abortion laws in, I believe, Texas and Mississippi. So it's going to be very, very interesting, Roger, to see how that plays out. Uh, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't, but we need to uh, we need to see. All right. Um, let me see. Eric in California. Hey, can you hear me there, Roger? I mean, uh, excuse me, Jeffrey? Yes, I can. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. And, Merry uh, Christmas. Man, James O'Keefe is, is a really great guy. Huh? Yes, he is. He's an American hero without doubt. I think so. And so I just want to bring up a couple points to you. I know a lot of people here in California who watch CNN as their main news source. And I know a lot of people who don't watch CNN as their main news source, but are also very uh, left-leaning. And not not a single one of them, you know, has heard about any of these. Uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, there was a guy, a different producer. Now there's this producer, and no, they don't hear about it at all. And it's so ironic because there's that ecosystem that you and O'Keefe were talking about that exists, where not even the other stations will show it. Because if you go on Google and type in the names of these producers, the first <laughs> results you're going to get are all these other websites reporting on it. But if you use an alternate search engine, you'll see way more relevant stuff. I mean, if you use Google, some of the first articles are like from India, newspapers in India. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? And so it's just so crazy. And, and it's the funny thing is that CNN pretends to be so virtuous with how they treat the people that they have on. I mean, you know this more than other people. You trolled some left-wing guy on Twitter with some tweet thing, and then they came after you and, and basically you know, turned, said, right. you know, tried to defame you as, as a Nazi or whatever. I mean, they, they'll, they'll pretend to have this virtuous high ground, but then the second it's something that goes against their narrative, yeah. they just can't seem to report on well, it. Well, they, they, there are things involved with this that they, they, and when I say they, I mean the mainstream or left-wing or liberal media, however you want to describe it. And one of them is... Uh, uh, the the journalism of omission. In other words, if yeah. if something is inconvenient, they simply don't report it. And perhaps the best example, or or perhaps more famous example of this, was this whole New York Post investigation into Hunter Biden, uh, which was very thorough and uh, front page stuff. The New York Post does wonderful investigative work, um, and suddenly uh, it wasn't on Twitter, and it wasn't. Uh, you know, and some of these other big big tech just basically clamped down and said, we're not going to let you run this. We're not going to link to it. We're not going to do anything with it. And the rest of the media sat on it. Um, that's journalism. You know, they just want to black things out. 
as if they don't happen. And, you know, the irony is that the Washington Post adopted this slogan, democracy dies in darkness. And I think uh, our, our friend Sean Hannity, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean Spicer says in his book, that uh, they keep saying this, but then when it comes to reporting the news, they pull down the shade. Uh, yeah, right. that is exactly what goes on here. So the good news, and Sean Spicer was right about this, the good news is that there is Fox, there's Newsmax, there's OAN, there's the Sean Hannity radio and TV shows. Um, I have a podcast. I have a website, uh, The Jeffrey Lord. The podcast is The Word of the Lord. Um, there are people in the conservative movement, we, we've broken the monopoly, if you will, collectively speaking, of the liberal media here. So, and I think, as I've, as I said earlier in the show, that these people have, uh, not understood that they've damaged their own credibility. That poll after poll after poll now shows that Americans just don't believe them. And, I said, you know, what what does, uh, you know, disparate things like Trump-Russia collusion and Kyle Rittenhouse and uh, Nicholas Sandman and the Covington kids and January 6th all have in common? What they all have in common is there's a narrative, a liberal narrative about each of those things. And if you diverge from the liberal narrative, then they're just not going to. Uh, they're not going to go with it at all. And I think the American people are on to it, and I think it's really done some self-inflicted damage to all these media outlets. So we will see. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, we will that's see. That's a really good point, Jeffrey. And you know what? I have one actually one question for you I think sure. that you might be able to answer. And it, you just raised the, the exact thing, really, which is that you hear a lot of conservatives and others talking about, okay, let's go after these groups. Let's go after, uh, you know, big tech and all this stuff. But then you made the great point, which I think, which is that building up their own, our own systems, you know, we look at like a big organ, I mean, the Daily Wire, you know, they're right. a group, you got your podcast. American Spectator. All <laughs> Everywhere, all over the place, building right. their own systems. And that's probably, in my opinion, uh, the way to go. Because like you said, if you, if we don't do that, then it's just going to be this futile effort going up against a brick wall over and over again, where, you know, they'll be able to get out the stories that they want. And the average person who listens to the liberal stuff, they think, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse uh, uh, killed a bunch of black people on January 6th. Or right. Something. And that's like, you know, and you know who gets this more than anybody? Donald Trump. And I think that's the basis for his new social media site. What is it? Truth Social. Uh, he gets it and he's got the ability to do something about it. And I think he's uh, he's in the mix here. And that's great. Cool. All right, Eric. Thank you very much. We have time for one more call here. Uh, one more. Okay. Um, Judy from Texas, how can we stop the Build Back Better bill if Biden uses executive order for it? Well, I'll tell you, Judy, that's a good question. Uh, there's a couple ways, uh, always long and prolonged. One is uh, taking things to court. That's number one. Number two is using, getting control of Congress and overturning whatever it is. Uh, that is, is, is very critical. You know, if we had control of Congress, uh, these things wouldn't happen. But I do remember, I think there were some things that President Obama did that were overturned, uh, by the Republican Congress when it came in. You know, you've got to have a fairly healthy majority to do it because the, the president, President Biden in this case, would doubtless veto things. You there, Judy? Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. Was that, was that your question? Yes, that was my question. What, you want to add anything? I'm sorry, I sort of jumped the gun there on you. 
No, that's fine. I just, I'm, you know, my head wants to explode when I think that they're <laughs> going to try to do that. Okay. Judy, can and you I hang want- on for one second? We got to take a break and I will come right back to you. Promise. Breaking news today and tomorrow. Don't miss one day. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Judy, I just want to apologize for asking your question and answering it, too. But you asked a good question, and you are dead on right. And it's something we should be concerned about, without doubt. And, and I'm afraid we have to leave it there. We are all totally out of time. This is Jeffrey. This is Jeffrey Lord from the Word of the Lord and, um, podcast and from thejeffreylord.com. Um, our friend Sean will be back in action after New Year's Day, and uh, we're looking forward to that. And I just close by saying we've got a real, real uh, possibility of some good victories this election year. Uh, historically, that's how it works, and I think um, in the first two years of a president's term, that's generally what happens. But I also think in the Biden case, um, he's got an, done enough damage to himself, not to mention the country, that people really have an incentive to get out there and, and vote. So thank you all very much for listening to The Sean Hannity Show, and we will be back. Uh, someone will be here. We're sitting in for Sean tomorrow. Thanks. Happy New Year.